everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. Before we get to today's episode, I want to remind you, if you are a fan of this podcast, and it seems like some of you are, I, I think we've been getting like a couple of thousand listens a week already, which is amazing. I could really use your help because Apple is not promoting it. So if you can, please, please, please go to Apple Podcasts and just review it. Give us five stars, write something nice. It really helps us move up the ranks. Okay, so my guest today is an amazing comedian, writer. Her name's Brody Gupta, and she's written for various TV shows, including Speechless and Friends from College. Uh, she's also written for The New Yorker and The New York Times. And I follow her on Twitter, Brody Gupta, at Brody Gupta, and she's hilarious on there. And then in today's episode, we talk all about her mother's cooking. So my mom is a fantastic cook. She just like is, I mean, everything she makes is just delicious. Gordon Ramsay. It's like his energy comes from like he fills his bladder to the brim and then they say action. And her need for approval. My end game with everything is uh, an adult saying, I'm proud of you, good job. So without further ado, here is my lunch therapy session with Brody Gupta. Well, I'm hitting record. Brody, nice to meet you. Thanks for doing lunch therapy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I know like a little about you because I follow you on Twitter. I'm a big fan of your tweets. Thank you and- so much. That's very kind of you to say. Of course. And I, and I read, I've read your New Yorker stuff and I know you write for TV, but like, I don't know a lot about like your life. So this will be really interesting to get to know you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ask me anything. I'm an open book and I'll probably overshare. So that's fantastic. Well, I think a good starting point for lunch therapy would probably be like, what is your relationship to food? Are you like a food person? Do you like food? Yes. I love food. I love cooking. I'm bad at baking because I think there's like a chemistry to it that I'm, uh, I'm like, a. these days I, you know, the way that I cook is, um, a little more intuitive than I used to. And, uh, I do not have any sort of intuition when it comes to baking. Hmm. And so I'll like, like I tried to make cookies very recently Um, and that's like typically a thing that's hard to mess up. And it was amazing, uh, to sort of see how much I was able to, (laughs) what went wrong? Like, what did they look like? Um, you know, what's weird tall. (laughs) What? It was like a, there was a dimension to them that I was like, this is not what cookies are. I'm so curious about that because I make a lot of cookies. How did they wind up tall? They wound up tall, I think, because I put too much flour or like maybe the wrong, maybe like too much baking soda, something. Oh, they puffed up like they puffed. Yeah. Well, the thing was that they puffed, but just up like this was sort of I was kind of fascinated by it. My my boyfriend was like, I don't know what you're talking about. These are great. These have oh. all the, these have all the things that I want, which is, you know, flour and chocolate chips. Right. Oh, um, wasn't where they chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. They were your, you know, your, your most classic cookie. And were you um, using a specific recipe or were you just, did you just like find a random one? I just found a random one. Okay. Um, because I'd used somebody, a friend sent me a specific recipe that I had used and those turned out, those turned out much better, but then this was just like a random one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, Oh, something's not, something's gone horribly wrong in a way that I can't, I both can't really explain. And I could never recreate like it once again to put the amount that this was alarming to put cookie dough, what you think is cookie dough into the oven and then for it to come out a little cylindrical. <laughs> I, I've never had that happen. I think that's kind of fascinating. I, yes. I wish this whole podcast could just be about your cookie experience. Although I am very curious about your lunch too, which we'll get to. Yeah. I mean, it was just, um, it was just very odd. <laughs> I was like, so, so baking. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, it's funny. Cause like, 
when I make cookies, this dough, I mean, we're going to talk like forever about cookies, but when I make cookies, like the dough is stiff enough that I feel like I, so I use like an ice cream scoop and then I like drop rounded balls of cookie dough onto the baking sheet and flatten them a little with my hand. But so I'm trying to imagine that then becoming like a cylinder. Yeah. I mean, or like, you know, uh, even a little bit, maybe cone shaped. I don't know. (laughs) Either way, it went the wrong direction. It once again went the impressive third dimension. It's so funny because I've been cooking for like 15 to 20 years. I don't even know how long anymore. And like I used to have all kinds of disasters when I started out. And then like, I've gotten pretty good at like in the past, like five to 10 years, like I figured it out, but we went to visit friends during the pandemic who were in our pod. Um, and I made ribs like barbecued ribs that had like brown sugar in them. And I burnt, like I put them in foil and like baked them like in the oven for like three hours at a low temperature. And when we unwrapped the foil, they were, it was like black char, like, or tar, like it was just black. And my friends were like, no, it's fine. Like, it's going to be delicious. And they ate, they like, wouldn't let me like throw it away. And they ate like literally like burnt meat. So I guess it happens to everyone is my point. Yeah. And those are good friends. Yeah, I guess so. Or they just really, they, all, they, they these friends also smoke. So I feel like maybe they really like smoking or the taste of burnt things. Yeah, they were like, this is this is a food equivalent of a pack of parliaments. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious with, with your brain, because like you have a comedic brain and I'm trying to like think about baking versus like not baking cooking, because like um, baking, I think, tends to be more left brained, I think, where it's like very like math oriented and like very like like one cup of flour, like two sticks of butter. It's very precise. Whereas the other kind of cooking is a little more impulsive, but I feel like comedy to me is a little bit of both. Like there's craft to it, but there's also impulsivity. So I'm curious if you could talk about that. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to comedy for me, um, sometimes it is actually sort of mathematical. Like if I'm writing a humor piece or something like that, um, Uh, like the jokes that I make sort of follow like a similar formula. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I actually like kind of approach comedy writing from like a more mathematical side of me. Like it's really, yeah, it's, it's a little bit um, uh, there's something comfortingly wrote about I think just writing one-liners or like writing jokes. I th- and that that is like greatly comforting to me. When it comes to baking, I have I use neither part of my brain. Um, uh huh. <laughs> and then and then I put cookie dough in the oven, and then it comes out like a huge tennis ball or something. <laughs> but like okay, like your Twitter for example. Like when I read your Twitter, it feels so impulsive to me. Like it feels like this, these just come out of you, and like they're not. I mean, not to say that they're not, they're not crafted, but like they feel very raw and like immediate. Yeah. I would say that my Twitter has sort of like the, um, the tone of, um, somebody who's like deeply, deeply ill, <laughs> okay. um, somebody who needs immediate medical attention, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but it I works, got- it's working, you know? Yeah, no, it is. And and instead of what would be appropriate, which is 50,000 people calling 911 <laughs> at the same time for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting some uh, I'm getting some fun stuff out of and I'm meeting cool people. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Twitter is a little bit more impulsive these days for me because I'm like, alone with my thoughts mm-hmm. and I hate that. Um, so I need to put them somewhere and my thoughts are generally so stupid <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's nice to have, you know, space for that. Um, yeah, I would say that uh, this is a long winded way, um, of sort of not answering your question, but agree. I don't remember what my question was, so it's fine. Yeah. It was, uh, how are you? Oh yeah. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> yeah. It was, <laughs> you asked me a riddle. Um, okay. but I, I know I, I actually would agree with you. I think my Twitter is much more impulsive than any of my other writing. I think my other writing is definitely much more like mapped out. Um, you know, I, I am big on outlining, mm-hmm. um, 
which is like, it's sort of, it's interesting because I think like my creative process, if you will, mm-hmm. just, uh, what a dumb way to put what I do. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> think you're being too self-deprecating because like your stuff is really funny. So it's not, it's not like, it's like, you're just crapping out a bunch of bad stuff. It's like, it's good. And I think like within what feels like stupidity, there's actually the brilliance. So it's like, there's something there. That is very kind of you. Um, yeah, I think, I, you know, I, um, uh, I'm very like, uh, my creative process sounds very uncreative. Like it, again, I like approach it I was always sort of a, a more math-minded person. Like I, I really loved math um, and I uh, really loved, like, I I thought that I was probably going to go into that. Um, and then I went to college and I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm smart in a different way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, but it, it helped me figure out how to like make a piece of writing, which mm-hmm. was, um, which for me always involved some kind of like studying of, you know, really good writing, much better than myself writing, and then sort of trying to figure out what those formulas were. Well, it's so interesting because I feel like cooking, like for me, cooking has become so impulsive that it's hard for me to put things down as a recipe, but like the recipe is the the form that people need in order to recreate like what you just made. So it feels like comedy is that same idea, like where there's like this like impulsive, free spirited side, but you have to contain it in a way that's communicable to people, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I think you're completely right. Like I, and cooking for me is very impulsive these days. Um, it's like very impulsive for my mom. Um, my dad, on the other hand, is very by recipe. Mm. He, he has like recipe books and he is very like, he's very particular about that. Um, but my, my mom and I are both very like, like whenever, when I first moved to LA and I was just starting to like cook for myself and, and, you know, take on a semblance of responsibility, I would ask my mom for recipes, um, just for like Bengali comfort food and stuff like that. And she, all of her recipes were like, I don't know, just add however much you want of anything. (laughs) Right. That doesn't help at all. Yeah. It doesn't help. It's like sort of a glorified shopping list. Yeah. That's really funny. Um, I have a friend who's Pakistani and she brought me home with her to like learn because she said her mother and her aunts were like the most amazing cooks she's ever met. And so like I went back to her family home in Georgia, like to write this whole essay about it. And like, and yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with them. Like, it was like, they were just going so fast. And I was just like, wait, wait, what was that? What did you do? What, you know? And it was delicious, but I couldn't like give any recipes at the end. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's sort of how, that is how I cook. Like I, it's, it's hard. And now I understand where like my mom's coming from because it is kind of hard to figure out like, okay, so what was my recipe here? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, everyone's hands are different. So a pinch looks very different for me versus, you know, a giant or a teeny tiny mouse. <laughs> it's actually funny because I just sold my first um, article with like original recipes to the Washington Post. And oh, wow. Congratulations. So, thanks. So, really cool. Yeah, it feels cool. But it's so funny because like I kind of bullshitted my way. It's so I, I hope they're not listening to this. But like I was like, oh, yeah, here's my recipe ideas. But and now they're like asking me all these questions because they're like, how much yield did you get from the white bean hummus? And like how many cups, like what, what size ramekins did you? And it's like uh, two cups, uh, eight ounce ramekins. Like, you know, I just literally have no idea. Yeah. You're like, I don't know, just like Skype me and <laughs> and then you eyeball it. Yeah. I think that's a lot of my cooking strategy is eyeballing it. Yes. And by the way, they're going to test these recipes in their kitchen. So they will be really good recipes. So if anyone's listening to this, I'm not lying to you about these recipes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I um, wrote an essay for uh, the failing New York Times (laughs) (laughs) a few years ago. and, And I wrote this essay about my favorite food, which is this Indian street food called Bani Puri, 
which I, think I sure saw that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, it was very funny when that essay came out because it was, you know, it was in the Sunday times and like the, there were four articles in that. And one of them was like, the first one was like, why Honduras will never see like a, um, uh, like a better climate. And then the second one was about ISIS. And then the third <laughs> one was about Harvey Weinstein. And then there was my favorite food. <laughs> it's my important. Mom, yeah. My I, mom makes my favorite food. Here is how my mom makes it. <laughs> I struggled with this my whole life about like food writing, whether or not food writing is important. And I've, and I think ultimately through a lot of my own therapy, I've discovered that it is. So I know what you're saying. But it was a it was a valuable uh, addition to that page. I mean, I, I love I love reading food writing. I love yeah. anything. I was like thinking about this the other day because I forget who like a friend was talking about some kind of like Twitch stream where uh, they like watch other people play video games, and I was like, why would you ever want to do that? And then I and then I thought to myself like, oh no, I just sit on the computer all day and watch the barefoot Contessa. That's <laughs> exactly you, what that is. How do you is. watch it on the computer? Is it like illegal downloads of the barefoot Contessa? You just go to YouTube and oh, I, this right. is the thing, like my entire YouTube like curated homepage is uh -huh. just like the beautiful love between the barefoot Contessa and her husband. You would have been good. I did a tweet the other day. I feel like you could, you would write the perfect one, which is like, what would the barefoot Contessa's real housewives tagline be? Oh my and, God. And yeah. I came up with like, I made there may be four sticks of butter in my cupcakes, but it takes more than that to butter me up. That's really good. All right, Brody, we've been stalling too long. This is actually the longest I've ever, that means we're, we're really hitting it off, but we can't delay the therapy any longer because I now have to ask you, what did you have for lunch? Okay, so um, today I had, uh, I kind of had a late breakfast. So I had oatmeal with bananas in it. My boyfriend makes this for me. It's oatmeal with peanut butter and bananas. And uh, he puts in chocolate chips because I'm a child. And okay, okay. Delicious. Um, but here's... I will tell you what I had for dinner last night because I'll probably have some of that um, uh, later today, which was I made uh, I made lamb and then I made sog on the side. Oh my God, that sounds delicious. Yeah, it was, listen, it was pretty good. It turned out, it turned out. <laughs> Unfortunately for our purposes, we're, we're gonna not be able to use your lamb um, for your therapy session today because that was your dinner. And the meal that you're gonna have later for my, by my clock will be a snack or an early uh, dinner. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm just teasing though. Actually, what I think is interesting <laughs> immediately. So like what I try to do when people tell me what they had for lunch and they talk about it is I try to pick up on like little things that reveal their character in some meaningful way. So mm -hmm. the first thing that I've picked up on is the loose schedule, the sense that like there was yeah. a late breakfast, there might be an early lamb leftover situation. And so have you always sort of flown by the seat of your pants? Like do you just sort of float through the day or are you very, it seems like you're not very schedule oriented. No, I'm not very schedule oriented. I, yeah, I just kind of, uh, I, I sort of, uh, I like to vibe it out mm -hmm. <laughs> as it were. Um, yeah, I'm not super schedule oriented. I get frustrated around like the three to five period where mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know what meal this would be. <laughs> it gets me uh, so angry. Like when I walk past a restaurant at like three 30 and there's like people sitting in there and like, what are you eating? What meal is yeah, that? What, what are you having right now? Yeah. I don't know. It seems, it seems I guess that I would feel more comfortable calling that lunch than I would dinner. I think that calling that dinner, I would be like, unless you're like Mark Wahlberg and, and <laughs> and bedtime is 5 30 or whatever his bedtime. does he really go to bed at 5 30 yeah he he had this thing that it was like what his daily schedule was and it was wild it was like he gets up at, at like 3 a.m or something like that and starts working out and but then he like 
goes to sleep at 7 p.m. But it here's the thing that I found sort of wild about it was like, why don't you just shift that down? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's just very weird. It, it seems like you're getting it just seems like you're in a different time zone <laughs> from like your corporeal form it's like eastern standard time mark Wahlberg time yeah yeah exactly yeah but that makes a lot of sense like why wouldn't he yeah why wouldn't he just do it all a little bit later yeah because it's like you're you're still getting your eight hours of sleep just do it at the normal time (laughs) yeah that i think i I should have him on and ask him these questions yeah to turn it back on you um the other part of this that i'm curious about so I feel like there's like two phases to what you talked about. Um, one was the meal that your boyfriend made for you. And then there was the meal from last night, which it seemed as you talked about, you had some pride like in sharing it. Like it was almost like you wanted me to like hear like, but by the way, like I know what I'm doing and I made something really good. Yes. And I, I need you to know that. Yeah. I, I, think so. I want you to know. I need that to, I need that to be, you know, yeah. The, the message that you take away. (laughs) Well, we'll get to that, but I want to ask you about the boyfriend (laughs) cooking oatmeal for you. So like, are you somebody that likes to take care of other people or do you prefer to be taken care of? Or do you like a mix of the two? I like a mix of the two. I have like a very particularly caring boyfriend who he humble brag. (laughs) Yeah, no, just a straight up brag, but (laughs) like it, it does every now and then I, I am like, yikes, am I, am I doing enough? (laughs) Am I nice enough? Um, but he very much likes to take care of other people. And, and I think we have like, kind of, we sort of fell into like a, not, not schedule, but we sort of fell into like different roles of like, he tends to make more of the daytime meals and I tend to make dinner. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that says about things? Like, how does that reflect on your relationship or who you are as people? Well, I think, um, he, so I'm in a room right now. I'm in a writer's room. Um, so like literally like, right now, that's what you're at. Right now, yeah. And so are you. <laughs> oh my God. I had no idea. We're both in a writer's room. Wow. This is so um, weird. It's nice to yeah. be here. Yeah. Um, but go ahead. Keep going. Sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, no, no, not at all. Um, uh, so the writer's room that I'm in, because it's, you know, still on Zoom, uh, they very lovingly refer to my boyfriend as off screen Greg because all they see of him is like just his hand and then a bowl <laughs> or a plate or something like prepared for me. Um, and one of the, one of the other writers who's um, uh, a friend of mine now, she, um, she was like, do you know how much money I have to spend for any of that to have for food to come to me? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to have to start delivering to some to other people. I know, too. I know. But he's a very good, he, he is a very good cook. He only recently started doing it, recently meaning in the past, like probably five years or so, he started cooking. And, and I think he, he is more by the books than I am. Mm-hmm. He is more by the books. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think because I like to make, I like to make heavier foods, I mm-hmm. think, like foods that you fall asleep after eating. Yeah, I get so that. Like, yeah. I think that that's why I've sort of, I'm sort of like in, you know, I'm in night mode <laughs> when, it, <laughs> when I cook. Well, also um, like after a long day of trying to be, or being funny, but like being in a room where like you're just in your head the whole time, it's gotta be nice at night to like unwind yeah. at the stove and have smells and sensations. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know you caught yourself, but you are correct when you say trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, stop. That is... The self-deprecation needs to end here. Hey, this is your lunch therapy session. This is my lunch therapy session. Yeah. And, and you do take Anthem, right? 
Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Okay, that's yeah. so nice. It's nice to just talk to someone in network. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, okay, wait. So now let's hear about the lamb. I feel like this is going to yeah. be where we really learn about you as a cook. So talk us yeah. through the lamb. So I have made my own dry rub for this lamb. I always do a French trim rack of lamb. That's like wow. It's my favorite cut of it. I feel you know, like I've never cooked that and I've cooked for 20 years, but I'm so scared to spend the money on it because it's so expensive that I feel like I'm going to ruin it, is, it. Yeah. That's why we only have it. Like the last time we had it was on Christmas. I made it, but this was just um, a Monday night that you had this or a Tuesday night. Why did you have it in the middle of the week? Well, it was, uh, it, it's been a special occasion because, uh, my boyfriend's sister is visiting and oh. I have made it, um, I, I'm very much constantly like, like I want to cook anything that has gotten good reviews from friends, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, to, uh, you know, to make another adult tell me that I did a good job. Okay. We're going to get back, come back to that later. This yeah. is good. This is really interesting. It's um, a real part of the therapy. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you have a spice rub, what goes in it? So what goes in it um, is, uh, you know, salt and pepper, garlic powder, ginger powder, uh, freshly ground cumin, mm. coriander, turmeric, and a little bit of cayenne. Wow, that sounds delicious. It turns out really good. I, I, the spices, I mean, the spices do the whole thing, but yeah. it turns out, it turns out great. Because I feel like a very like, like, boring like white bread version of rack of lamb is like with just like rosemary and breadcrumbs and garlic that's what the barefoot contessa would do yeah but I feel like I like your version better because it's more exciting and more like robust that's what I love um like that's I think that because I grew up eating such flavorful foods mm -hmm. um because I grew up you know we only ate Indian food growing up which was incredible and it was where did you grow up uh kentucky so then <laughs> the oh, wow um the traditional kentucky food of um biryani and fish curries <laughs> um but i grew up eating so much like flavorful and i have a really high spice tolerance and i love spicy food it's just it's you know my favorite um so because of that i think i tend to lean more towards like the you're more like Indian Middle Eastern spices. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, there was also, I, I sometimes like to watch a Gordon Ramsay video because it, it just, he has this really frenetic energy about him where he mm -hmm. just constantly, it's like he had, it's like his energy comes from like, he fills his bladder to the brim mm -hmm. and then they say action. And he he's just, the adult uh, that you want to please. Yes. Oh, for sure. You like authority figures. That's you, my you author. Seek them out. Absolutely. Wow. Um, uh, but he, I saw a video where he like made a, a rack of lamb and it, it looked pretty good, but it was definitely much more. Um, it's definitely more herb forward. Yeah. But I'm curious, like with your personality, I mean, I'm only just getting to know you, but already I feel a sense of, of knowing who you are a little bit, but I'm curious, like, how are you, like, are you a perfectionist? Like if the lamb, if the lamb came out badly or if it had been overcooked or like you had burned it, like I burned my ribs, how would you deal with that? Would you be okay? Or would you be freaked out? Um, I think honestly, I would probably be freaked out. I, <laughs> yeah. freaked out. I, I would hate that. <laughs> I would yeah actually nothing I would hate more. <laughs> um, I, I, no. I get that a hundred percent. It's so, it's so upsetting when you like put your best yeah. foot forward and you're so excited and then it doesn't work out. You know, especially when it comes to like, you know, the more, a little bit more like you kind of just have to have trust in it. Mm -hmm. like, I've never made ribs before, but I imagine that it's a similar sort of like, you don't like when you're cooking something just on the stovetop, there are like, you can, you know, you can sort of, you can fix or at least make better. Right. You could taste uh, as you go. Exactly. A yeah. lot 
more, but you know, the way that I do the lamb is I, uh, I like sear it and then it goes in the oven. Right. Um, and it's not like I'm going to cut through it, you know, before it's ready. But you like- know your oven, like you have a sense of what it was going to be. I, actually, when I burnt those ribs, you just reminded me, I was, we were visiting friends in um, Park City, Utah. No, we weren't in Park City, Utah. We were in Idaho. We were in Park City, Idaho. Is that where I was? I was where, like, I was somewhere. I don't even know where I was, but I was in Idaho and the oven was messed up. And so Sun Valley, that's where I was, Sun Valley, Idaho. I'm like going crazy. Um, but the oven, like I put it in, it was supposed to be 200 degree oven or 250, like low and slow fall apart ribs. But when they came out, they were so charred. And when we tested the oven later, it was like 200, it was like 500 or like, it was just some crazy or like 450 or something. Yeah. Really- ruined it. So your point is well taken. I have a question for you though. Have you ever done stand-up comedy? Um, yeah, I used to. Um, and I, I like really, um, and you will probably call the following quite self-deprecating, but, um, I think I, I like lack a significant amount of charisma (laughs) that you need. I don't agree with that. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I really, my style of stand up is that I like stand as close to the mic as possible. And then I, I just like, uh, uh, I just like have put up some sort of like distance between me and the audience. I'm like, not sort of like the way that, um, a lot of my friends are very, they're, you know, brilliant writers, but then also they are, when they're on stage there, it's like, they're having a conversation with the audience. I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. But I will say that it's been something that, um, I can lean into, which is nice because then people find that, uh, funny and yeah. own, you know, in its own horrible, uncomfortable way. Well, I brought it up. Like I, I, it sounds like a non sequitur, but I was thinking about stand up and cooking, like as sort of similar where there's like an audience where you're putting yourself out there, where like you're yeah. sort of doing things that please yourself, but you're also trying to please the crowd, but you're also pretending like you don't care what they think, but you actually really do care what they think. There's like a lot of similarities in my mind. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of theater to it. Yeah. But I I, think- what? yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just <laughs> I think that that's also, this is therapy. I think that I'm having a breakthrough, which is, oh, good. I think the theater of cooking dinner versus cooking, you know, your, your brunches, your lunches. I think the theater of dinner is um, also why I like it. Mm-hmm. Are you a cook at home, like dinner party person more than you are a going out to restaurants person? Or do you like both? I like both. I, I really love to cook for people. And I really love to have people over for meals. Um, but but I also love to not do dishes. Mm-hmm. I've, made, I've made peace with food. dishes. Yeah, that's my thing. Like I had to make peace with it or I couldn't cook anymore. And so it's like, I just made, it's like my Zen meditation thing now. It's like, I just put on a musical because I'm very gay and um, do the dishes. Oh, that's great. What What's your go-to um dishwashing musical great question um don't turn the tables too much because this is your therapy session but lately it's been Hades Town, which was like the tony award winner from yeah. this last year and i really like it a lot um i mean cabaret is a classic Pat, any, anything with patty lapone like i'm there um yeah. yes i mean okay. patty lapone <laughs> we love her do you love her or are you just saying that no i genuinely love her oh good <laughs> an amazing I mean she's what a legend well this is a good like segue back to like growing up in Kentucky Mm -hmm. in an Indian family because it's like when you mentioned Patty Lapone immediately thought of New York and like a town that had lots of theater and lots of like restaurants but like what was it like for you growing up in Kentucky and did you find like your own niche there and like did you were you able to did you feel alienated as an Indian person growing up in Kentucky or did you feel part of the community well I so my family moved to the U S um, a little bit. Uh, so my older sister, she's four years older than me. She was born in India. And then when she was a baby, uh, the family moved to the UK where I was born. And then when I was a baby, the family moved to uh, the U S hmm. um, and we came here around the time. So this was like early to no, this was mid nineties. 
that we came to the US and a lot of people were coming from India. So we were very lucky in that we had a full on like extended family like community mm-hmm. in uh in like the Cincinnati area that you know we grew up with and and the um like the kids there were sort of like our cousins basically um so it was uh you know it, obviously we had our like i was one of few people of color at school and like uh there were definitely like some instances of you know racism or ignorance or something like that but um really it was that you know i had i had so many uh sources of comfort because we were so like growing up with that kind of a community i imagine and and it did for my parents like make them feel comfortable mm-hmm. just you know it, it because i think when you when you're confident in at least that aspect of your life where you're like i know i have my people then you're like kind of willing to uh, get out there more you're like mm-hmm. willing to um you know experiment with like kentucky culture yeah. or cincinnati culture or whatever it is because you have you know this um the support system. Well, I spoke to Soleil Ho, who's the um, food critic for the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, She was my first guest on season two of this season of Lunch Therapy. And we were talking about the cliche and the the problematic idea of like bringing the smelly lunch to school and the other kids like groaning. And, but she said for her, but she, she was very conflicted about talking about that because she had written in the past about that, but then she sort of regretted writing about that. Um, but I, I guess I'm curious, like, if that's something that came up for you at all. So that's another thing that was like really um, wonderful about while I was growing up was like my friends, I didn't have the like smelly lunch at school thing. Um, a lot of it was because my mom was like, I'm not. I'm not packing you the <laughs> the cooking that I made last night for I'm not packing that up for you to take to school. Really? Why not? That's, yeah, she was like, "No, that's that's dinner food. That's like <laughs> we're uh, safe here." By um, the way, that's interesting because you talked earlier about like your oatmeal as like daytime food and then like dinner food was like the special yeah. food. So maybe you got that from your mother. Yes, I think I for sure did. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, you know, it was mainly for me, um, like sandwiches and stuff like that, that was, uh, packed. But my, when I was in high school, I started being like, why don't I just like bring the better tasting? (laughs) And when I started to, I, all my friends were just like jealous. They Mm -hmm. just, so it was a lot of like, like instead of, because, you know, I, I did hear the like smelly food story a lot. And I, I'm, I think, happy to say that that's sort of more of a vestige of uh, you know the generation before mine totally I was just gonna say that I feel like I feel like you're young and like I feel like that's a newer like it's it's even like being gay like I would and this is gonna be like offensive to anyone who hears it but this is a true story when I was in high school in the 1995 1996 somebody wore a t-shirt to school that had the tricks rabbit on it and it said silly faggot dicks are for chicks and it was like a, a play on like silly rabbit. Like you, you got it. But like he was allowed to wear that to school. And that was like in the 90s. Yeah. And it's what? like I saw that. And I was like, uh, why is he allowed to wear that? So things have changed a lot. Um, yeah, you can't wear that shirt. <laughs> yeah. That had to go through so many adults. Yeah. And he was just wearing it. And it's like, okay, that's where that's the time period that I went to high school. So I'm glad you went in a in a better time period for you. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like I you mean- did. I think about, you know, writers who specifically about somebody like Mindy Kaling, who's, you know, so funny and so talented. And I imagine it was so much harder to just because she is such a funny person, but also had to take on the entirety of why aren't your characters more Indian? Why are, why are you this, you know, like answering for all these sociological, like these systemic problems, mm-hmm. like an individual having to answer for a system that sucks mm-hmm. is, um, 
I imagine incredibly stressful. And, and now, you know, there are many more Indian people in comedy there, there, um, and there's a way, you know, because of the, I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but really because of the shit that she went through and, and that other, um, you know, first generation people went through before the sort of, um, computer engineering boom that brought so many Indian people over to the States, Mm -hmm. um, especially around Y2K, um, that it must've been, it must've just been awful. And, and I imagine that she didn't have the chance that I have now where I can just be funny and I can just be insane. And I don't really have to answer that much to, Mm -hmm. uh, to, to like, um, you know, I'm not specifically hired on shows because, oh, we have an Indian character. You'll write the Indian character. You know, I'm, I'll get hired on shows because they're like, "Mm, we met you and you were bad shit and we're worried about you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's a great point though. It's like your identity goes, goes beyond just being Indian, which is interesting too, because when I was having you on and like you were going to talk about food, I, I, I didn't want to make any presumptions. So it was really interesting to hear like what yeah. you what you were eating. And it's like oatmeal and lamb. And yeah. <laughs> in my daily oatmeal and lamb. <laughs> Wait, um, so tell me about the sag. What, like, what was that? So I um, basically kind of came up with my own thing for that, which was um, I did. Let's see. How did I make that? Oh, so here's what I do for that now is I, uh, I use mustard oil. Do you ever use mustard oil? to? No, but that's, I live across the street from an Indian grocery, uh, in Atwater village and I can go over there right now and get that. You gotta go. I mean, listen, I'll like email you a list of stuff that I think you should get. Okay. You want to try Indian cooking? Let's go together and cook together. That'd be really fun. That'd be great. Okay, I, let's do it. I mean, like, literally, like right now. I mean, let's go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm getting up. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> go ahead. The rest of this is on the road. <laughs> that would be. I'd probably be like really good for yeah. going viral or something. But I don't have the equipment or the technology. <laughs> um, but um, uh, so I, you know, I uh, toast a uh, whole cumin in mustard oil, then put in tomatoes, onions, and then I do a mix of turmeric, coriander, garam masala. Um, what else? I mean, salt and pepper. Um, huh. What else? Oh, you know what I, uh, I put in is Thai chili. Ooh, that sounds spicy. Really spicy. I think they're also called like bird's eye chilies. Oh yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah, they're really they're like tiny. They're really spicy. I love them. Um, I like buy like a box of them and just put them in the freezer. And I'm where like, do you buy them? Uh, I you know, uh, Sprouts has them. Oh, okay. But when a lot of the times, most grocery stores don't have them. Um, and Serrano peppers will work. Okay. So you, so I, do you have one of those like spice, they sell it at India sweets and spices, but it's like a spice caddy that like when I, my friends who are Indian, like a lot of their moms have it, it's like gold or brass and has little canisters. Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, in, in the house that I grew up in, uh, we have like a cabinet right by the stove that has that in it, like oh, that nice. function of this cabinet. And it's amazing. Um, no, I just, I just keep everything in a cabinet. And then like, by the end of the week, there are like 15 spices just out. Right. Um, exactly. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, <laughs> and, so you, you cook the, so you oh, go, I want to hear the rest of the, how did you make it? So you added those spices. Oh, mustard yeah, oil. So I, yeah. I, I add, um, uh, dry red chilies, which I got from India sweets and spices, um, And, and I put, you know, these, uh, Thai chilies in it. Um, and then I add the spinach. I eyeball those spices that I, you know, already put the tomatoes and onions and I put a little more in with the spinach while it cooks down and then I blend it. Really? Yes. So I blend it and then 
if it's like a if it's a little too hot or if I'm like serving it to other people um, and I know that their spice tolerance isn't quite as high, I add almond milk to it. Is your boyfriend's sister someone who likes spicy food? She, yeah, she, we were talking about this last night and she was like saying that she's just like getting more, more into it. So I was like, that's perfect. That's great. (laughs) For this. Yeah. Yeah, And, and my boyfriend loves spicy food. Um, and so much, I mean, he has to. (laughs) Right. Cause he took a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So is sag sag is just spinach but like sag paneer has paneer in it is that a really dumb question yeah that was yeah <laughs> no but you know i sometimes do uh uh because i don't really i haven't i haven't found paneer but i haven't really spent that much time looking so okay. i can find it um that that's a thing that happens i think when you don't look for something um but uh, I use tofu a lot oh. of the time, and it, it turns out great. And do you use fresh spinach or frozen spinach? I use fresh. Because I've been watching some cooking shows where like, they were advocating for frozen spinach in terms of value, because spinach, if you buy fresh spinach, it cooks down so much. And if you buy yes. frozen spinach, it's already cooked down, so you're getting more spinach for your buck. That's actually a really good point. But it's very wet, so you'd have to like defrost it and then like, wring it out first. Yeah. Hmm. we'll think about that on our shopping trip yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I'm curious so like I'm very jealous I've talked about this on the podcast before but I come from a family where nobody cooked and it was like a novelty that I cooked and I want to hear more about like what it was what it was like for you growing up in a family with so much cooking and then how did you like take that information in like was it and, and how did when did you start cooking for yourself and did it immediately come out that way yeah so I um so my mom is a fantastic cook she just like is I mean everything she makes is just delicious Mm -hmm. um and so when I was a kid it was like we had kid food but it was like the Indian version of kid food which was I thought I mean it was so much uh more like flavorful than um you know than your like pasta and butter and mm-hmm. like what know, was it like what's an example of what you would have yeah an example would be like my mom would make this like ginger chicken stew and it was like she would just make the broth herself and then and it was like like it just there was always everything was like so fresh so there there was like this it was this very like ginger and black pepper forward kind of Mm. thing so that was a thing that we loved a lot my mom made this uh made this other thing that you know I still I cook a lot because it's it's quite healthy um uh it's like uh some kind of ground meat um either chicken or turkey like some kind of ground poultry um with potatoes it's kind of like an Indian hash Okay. That sounds really That's good like, too. Yeah. Um, and she would like put those, she would like put that in like a sandwich maker. Um, Wait, a sandwich maker? Oh, like the, put the meat in the sandwich maker? She, oh, well, she would like make it and then put it, um, you know, uh, make sandwiches oh, out I of see. filling. I so see. it was like, it was, you know, it was delicious. And, and I really didn't appreciate Indian food as much because you know, we also didn't have, we, we always had dinner at the same time. Like my sister and I, and my parents, we always had dinner at the same time. So we didn't get kid food for dinner. It was just whatever my parents were eating. And I hated it for <laughs> a while. I was like, I think because I was so overwhelmed by it mm-hmm. that I was like, I don't like, there's just, there's so many whole spices I have to go, like move around. And, and I, I really didn't have an appreciation for it until I got older. And I was like, you know, my, I discovered how much I love spicy food. And, and, you know, I, I really had, um, uh, these days I'm, I'm, it's like the thing that I cook best is Indian food. And it's the thing right. that I I like to eat the most and, and it, 
it's, um, you know, definitely like those sort of spice blends, like we have to have so much cumin in the house constantly. Mm-hmm. Like Fresh we cu- have cumin seeds, like the actual, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you though. So how did your mom, like, what was her attitude about her cooking? Like, was she like, this is nothing like no big deal. Like you don't have to eat it. Like have a good night. Or was it like, I spent hours at the stove and how dare you not eat my food? Yeah, it was the latter. And I was also a really scrawny kid. Like I was like, like I had like a very, um, my head was really big and my body was really small. Okay. I, like I had sort of the silhouette of a lollipop. <laughs> or a Pez dispenser, um, I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> so eating was like, and I also like had stomach issues. So eating was always like a big challenge in my house to like get me to do and to eat enough. And so my mom was like, she was always very like, no, this is, you can't get up until you've eaten this much. And it was constant negotiations Really, with her. Yeah. Until like, you know, I figured out what my stomach issues were and, um, yeah. And, and so she and my dad were very, um, like my dad, my dad would sort of, uh, like compound the, the emotional manipulation behind, I spend so much time cooking, Mm -hmm. you know, other kids, parents don't spend this much time cooking or like putting in this effort. And I would always be like, I'm not asking you to cook. I want (laughs) nuggets, you know? That's Um, so funny. Cause it's like my partner and I are probably not going to have children, but like when I fantasize about like what that would be like to have children, it's like, well, they'll they'll eat all my, my beautiful food and they're going to love it. And it's like, the reality is like, they'd be like probably hating it and like storming off and running to McDonald's. Yeah. They're like, I want fish sticks. Exactly. You always kind of want the opposite of whatever your parents are giving you. So that makes a lot of sense. Wait, so you were talking earlier about your dad's cooking versus your mom's cooking. So like, what kind of stuff would your dad make? My dad makes, he can pretty much make anything, but he is definitely much more like he still has a recipe book from like forever ago that like is now just like a series of like pieces of paper that are somehow like (laughs) together, um, like from India. And so it's like all in Bengali. He, um, uh, something he makes that I love is he, he makes goat curry. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, which I love. I think it's delicious. I think it's like one of the most flavorful. It was meat. actually interesting because when I went, went with my friend Shireen, the, my friend who was Pakistani back to her family's house, it was because it was Eid Alata and they were going to sacrifice, they normally sacrifice a goat as part of the holiday and then cook it. But that yeah. year they couldn't get a goat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get to see that, but it would have been cool. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean that's what the uh, that's where you, you know that's where you would get goat to cook is like um, any halal market mm-hmm. will typically have it. Um, but yeah, my dad makes that really well, which I love, and it, he makes it really spicy too. But he doesn't improvise; he just follows the directions. He doesn't really improvise. My mom, my mom is very improvisational, and she was definitely she definitely cooked more because she just liked it. I think better. She like you know, and I I sort of feel the same way now. Is like cooking is actually quite meditative. Totally. Yeah. It's the only thing that calms me down. So yeah, I, I, I need a lot of cooking in my life. Um, that's yeah. really cool. I mean, so when you cook, are you cooking recipes that you learned from your parents or are you cooking things that you're making up on the fly? Um, I was starting out making just stuff that my mom texted me, you know, a glorified shopping list for, but, and it's so funny because like my mom, uh, like while I was beginning to, you know, start cooking and, um, you know, get into especially Indian cooking, my mom, because she improvises everything would just, uh, FaceTime me and then tell me when to stop putting something in. Oh, that's so cute. You should have recorded it and like made a cooking show. I would have watched that. 
And I could have made bank on that. Yeah, you could still do it. I think that would be adorable. I think that's like, you should literally pitch that to the Food Network. I think that people would want to watch that. Yeah, uh, you're on, you're signed on as a producer now. Yes, finally. Okay. (laughs) This is my agenda the whole time. Yeah. Um, That's so, I love that idea for a show. Um, And it's, it's so funny because she will just like know, just eyeballing it even if it's like super pixelated, (laughs) like uh, even just um, in terms of like time spent pouring something into something else. But these days I, I um, make up a lot of stuff just on the fly. And have you cooked for your parents? I've cooked for my parents. Yeah. I, and I've been able to like, that's been really nice is um, being able to cook for them. Like whenever they come here, whenever they come visit me, I like to do, you know, I like to really do it up for them. Um, and I went to visit them in November, right before COVID got really bad again. Um, I went to visit them and I was like, it was so exciting because I, I it was like, I was useful <laughs> in the kitchen with my mom. Aww. And I was like, also just, um, you know, able to like make stuff that they hadn't, that they didn't know how to make. And were they, are they, do they praise your food? I mean, this goes back to the authority figure thing we talked about earlier. Oh yeah. But they were praised. My end game with everything is uh, an adult saying, I'm proud of you. Good job. I think that's (laughs) me too. Yeah. I think, I I think like it might be a similarity between coming from like a Jewish family and coming from an Indian family where you have Uh, parents that are difficult to please perhaps. And it's like, you just want their approval. You just want their approval because another, a thing that I think is like helpful in a lot of ways um, is that, you know, they're not bullshitting, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My mom tells it like it is. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It like means something. Um, But yeah, it was, it was really fun to cook for them. And it was just like, it felt really nice. I, I definitely felt it's the time that I have felt the most different from my high school self going back to visit my parents. That's so cool. I love that. Well, we're nearing the end of this podcast and um, we begin every session by asking, what did you have for lunch? But we end every session by asking, what are you having for dinner tonight? Mm, I don't know. We might go out to eat. I've been thinking, I've been thinking about ramen because I really like ramen. So maybe, maybe we go to ramen of York. Okay. Question though. So if you have, um, when we hang up here, you have, you're going to have the leftover lamb and the sag. Yeah, maybe. Will it be like a plate of it or will it just be like a little nibble? It'll probably be a little nibble. And that won't, that won't spoil your supper at, um, ramen of York. Nah, we're all (laughs) just kind of. It's real loose here. <laughs> I remember my friend Lisa, I, this is back before Mario Batali revealed himself to be a monster. Uh, when Babo was like the hottest restaurant in New York, like I was dying to go there. And my, so I flew to New York and I got a reservation and my friend Lisa was going to go with me. And like, she was like, it was like four o'clock or five o'clock and our reservation was at six. And she was like, don't get mad at me. She's like, I'm going to have a Snickers bar right now. And I was like, what? And she said, I'm really hungry. And like, I'm just going to eat the Snickers bar, but I'll, I promise you, like, I'll still be hungry for dinner. And that, that like, in, like my brain like exploded. I was like, I couldn't, but she did eat dinner. But for me, like, it's like, I guess I'm much more regimented about meals. Like yeah. breakfast is breakfast, lunch is lunch, dinner is dinner. What is your, I have a question for you. I know yes. that. Yeah, we can I, screen the tables now. Yeah. Um, what is uh, your favorite cuisine to cook? Number one. Uh, number two, What what is like the hardest thing that you've ever made? Like what's like the most difficult recipe that you've mastered? Wow. Um, and also I, I, I am really interested because I, I do just like love food and I love cooking. Um, and I would, I would love to read, um, your book. Oh my gosh. 
Yes. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll answer all three questions. This is a great commercial for my book. Thank you so much. Um, I did not ask you to ask that question just for people know. Uh, the first question was what cuisine. So the cuisine that I cook the most is definitely Italian. I mm -hmm. lean, I lean on pasta a lot. Like pasta is such a go-to that people who follow me on Instagram just make fun of me. Like, and they're like, how do you eat so much pasta? Like that's a lot of pasta. Wow. You're obsessed with cavatappi, which is my favorite pasta shape. And I make my husband's favorite dish that I make is cavatappi with sun-dried tomatoes, LOL, which is like a dated ingredient, but it has sun-dried tomatoes, garlic, and cannellini beans and, and Parmesan. So it's sort of like beans and like oily tomatoes and pasta and Parmesan. It's really delicious. Yeah. So Italian, yes, is my number one. Um, what's the most difficult thing? So, and it actually answered, Number two and number three are connected. So the book that I wrote is called Secrets of the Best Chefs. And, um, and it was like 10 years ago now, but uh, I was like one of the first food bloggers. So it was still like sort of when I had a lot of momentum for my blog and my whole thing was being an amateur cook. So um, I was like, what if I go and cook with like a bunch of famous chefs and they all teach me like their best recipes. So that was the premise of the book. And I traveled the country and I cooked with like Jose Andres in Washington, DC. And I cooked with Alice Waters in um, San Francisco. So it was a really amazing experience. Um, but to answer question number two, there were some dishes in there that were incredibly difficult. And I put them all at the end of the book. And like the most insane one was like trying to sous vide a steak with like a Ziploc bag and like a pot of water with a thermometer. That was crazy. Wow. Yeah, that sounds... That sounds so difficult. But relevant to our conversation, uh, the worst dish I've ever made was when I went to India Sweets and Spices because like, I, I love cooking Indian food too. And I have Mira Soda's book, um, oh, cool. which is yeah. great. I forget what it's called. Fresh India, I think it's called. It's an amazing cookbook. So I, I, I like making curries. And so I normally will put like ginger, garlic, like a lot of the things you talked about, like coriander, turmeric, um, garam, garam masala. But I was at India Sweets and Spices and I was like, maybe I'll get some like, like spices that I don't know anything about. So I got black cardamom um, yeah. and black cumin. And when I got home and I was making a curry, I put like a tablespoon of each into the curry, not really realizing that like black cardamom is like it's sweet. No, not the oh. one. I, oh no, what I got was, um, was it black cardamom? It was like insanely like bitter. Like it was like, it tasted like, oh, okay. like ash. Yeah, yeah. Ash, A-S-H, like not ass, A-S-S, yeah. -S, but I, but just traditionally, I think it's used in like meat, like meat preparation. So that you put a little bit of it in, yeah. but, but I made this whole dinner and then like Craig like bit into it and said, I'm sorry, this is inedible. I can't eat what you just made. And I tasted it and it, it, something about like the spice was just the totally wrong spice to put in. Yeah. Wait, what kind of Indian food do you make? I honestly, that's one where like, I really do follow other people's recipes. Um, and so Mira Soda's cookbook is great. I was just going to mention the cookbook Indianish to you. Have you seen that cookbook? I haven't, but I've heard of it. Because the author, her name's Priya. I don't know her last name. I'm, I don't want to butcher it. Um, but she, I think she works now for the New York Times. But I think she's yeah. from Kentucky too. I mean, when you're telling the story of coming from an Indian family, I feel like I, I must should grab it. Will you like entertain the people while I go grab it for a second? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, I'm like, not going to know what you're saying. So this will be really funny later when I listen back. Yeah. I'm going to uh, sing a song to you guys, uh, right now, a song that I'm making up. Um, and it's all about how, um, my glasses and my watch are next to each other. Um, okay. So okay. I, I, I'll listen to that later. I don't know what you said, but here, this is the cookbook that I love. And if you guys are listening to this, you can watch this on YouTube and you'll see what I'm holding up. Um, but Mira Soda's Made in India is, you probably don't need this, but it's all very like fresh. No, I, yeah, I would love, you know what? Oh, that looks amazing. What? Oh, coriander is also huge. Or uh, the cilantro. Um, cilantro. Yeah. 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 I love it. But this is okay. Priya Krishna. And this is Indian-ish, but she, like her story is that she grew up, oh my God, I'm not going to find it here. This is like going to be the most boring thing people have ever listened to is like me looking through a cookbook. Um, okay, wait, 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 we're almost there. We're almost there. Um, uh, okay, say something like, 
tell a story. Oh, Dallas, Dallas. She's from Dallas. Thank you. Okay, that that was. I can edit out the like stalling. <laughs> no, I, that's. Um, I feel like there's a huge Indian population in Dallas. Yeah, I think actually, um, Anthony Bourdain did an episode, or maybe it was the David Chang show. I'm getting very confused right now, but some one of those shows where people go to a place like they went to Dallas. I think it maybe was David Chang, and they showed they revealed like the the multicultural. Uh, community there and all the amazing food. Yeah. You know what? I really want to um, be able to cook. I really want to learn how to make uh, South Indian food. Oh, and, like from Kerala? Like, yeah. Or, you know, anything from like, uh, because I feel like a lot of South Indian food is like, um, like fermented rice, like whatever base for like idlis and dosa that that kind of thing um that's that's gonna be my next sort of that's gonna be the the next frontier for me well it's funny because when I did my cookbook um not to plug it again secrets of the best chefs artisan books available wherever you buy cookbooks um I cooked with a chef named Asha Gomez in Atlanta and she was from Kerala and she wrote a cookbook called My Tooth Souths, which is about being from South India, but also like living in the Southern United States. And all of her recipes are like mashups of Indian food and Southern food. So you should get that book. It's really cool. That sounds amazing. I would love to get that book. I, yeah, I, um, I've been to Kerala before. It seems beautiful, like from the pictures I've seen. Beautiful. It is so hot, but Uh, it's beautiful. I mean, we went um, because we don't typically like travel in India because we just go see our family. Um, But this one time we decided to travel and we went to Kerala and it was just so gorgeous. We like went on a houseboat. We were there for a couple nights, just like sort of sailing around and they like they would catch like live like fish and then cook it for dinner and it was just like amazing and that food is just incredible and it's uh we went in the winter uh which was really funny because we were like in a cab um and it was like 95 degrees out like it was so hot really and my dad asked the cab driver my dad was like is it normally like this is the weather normally like this and he was like no it gets really hot in the summer <laughs> and we wow. were like that's wow we we're like we're gonna gift you ice I don't know <laughs> <laughs> wow well Brody this is this like went above and beyond like I mean normally it's an hour we even like flew past it seems like we could just talk forever I know I really love food <laughs> but yeah but we'll have to cook together know. sometime yeah yes please we don't live too far from each other yeah I, I literally mean- like gave out my address on this podcast so <laughs> you're planning on murdering me like now you know where, where I live uh, well thank you so much for doing this and thank you um, for having me yeah let's meet up in the real world when things yes. are super safe All right. right. Thanks, Brody. Bye. Bye. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Elsie Granderson. And I'm Will Leach. Every week in The Long Game, we look at the biggest stories in sports and how they affect the world of culture and politics. You think COVID has messed up sports forever? I think sports has totally forgotten that COVID ever existed. You think legal betting is bad for sports? I know it's bad for me to bet on the Pistons. That's a very, very bad idea. (laughs) Who is the most entitled GOAT of all time? I feel like there's a hundred-way tie for first. Well, at least at first. That's why they're the GOATs. We love talking about sports. And because we love our sports, we want our sports to be better. Which is why we don't dodge those big, messy issues. And we certainly do not stick to sports. So join us for deep thoughts, great laughs, and a weekly breakdown of the biggest issues in sports. The Long Game with LZ and Leach. Find us on the ACAST app, Twitch, and wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.